That's the Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann. Lead story from the front page of the Daily Dispatch for today, Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. Taxi owner gunned down in front of his children. Gunmen shoot father of two while he was doing a school run. Also from the front page of today's dispatch, Rhodes wins first battle against anti-vaxxers. For details on these and other stories, go to dispatchlive.co.za. More now from that dispatch front page story today. Rhodes wins first battle against anti-vaxxers. Rhodes University will proceed with its COVID-19 mandatory vaccine requirements for all staff, students and visitors to its campus. This after an urgent high court application to interdict its implementation was struck off the court roll. Bringing that application, a group known as Makanda Against Mandates. And joining us from MAM, I believe that's the acronym, is philosophy lecturer at Rhodes, Francis Williamson. Francis, a very good morning. Thanks for joining us. I would imagine a little disappointment for you and the MAM group with the judge ruling against you, apparently because your interdict wasn't regarded as being urgent enough. Morning, Darren. Yes, indeed. It is, of course, a bit disappointing. Um, We had our day in court and uh, we looked forward to that. We thought we had a a good case. It turned out not to be so. So, uh, yes, we we lost and uh, that is disappointing. Is this the end of the road or not? Do you continue? Um, Well, we always knew that there is going to be a part B of this, a review process, which will be in some ways, the main part of the process. Um, The urgency was an initial thing. Um, Quite frankly, my own view is we did not expect to to lose that as drastically as we have. Um, But but the main part is the review part, and that will happen uh, in due course. We do not yet know whether we will indeed proceed with that. It was always the plan. But, uh, you know, basically, I mean, our pockets are not deep. Um, so that is something that we are going to have to, to, to take uh, um, you know, under discussion and also uh, liaise with other groups uh, throughout the country who are mounting actions and so forth. And there might well be a better opportunity to, to centralise and coordinate our efforts. And there's a little bit of history to that um, to that as well. MAM consists of who exactly? Who makes up the group? Makanda against mandates. Well, it's a it's a, a, a non-profit organization which has a a committee which manages it, and there are um, all the um, main applicants who were joined in the court action yesterday are the members of that committee. Then there are a whole bunch of other ordinary members um, and so on. Not not many. Um, I'm not sure whether you were looking for actual names and so on. No, no. I'm just trying to get an idea of where the group is drawn from. Are you students? Uh, Are you parents? Are you just members of civil society? I see what you're saying. It's predominantly people who who are directly affected and harmed, in our view, of course, by the vaccine mandate at Rhodes. So it is members of staff, um, students, members of the uh, Makanda business community, service providers to the university, um, who are directly harmed by the vaccine mandate. Mr. Williamson, in addition to having the court rule against you, 
The judge also ordered that MAM pay the costs of the application. That's going to hurt. It does. It certainly does hurt. But, um, you know, it's only the costs for, of, the, of that part of the application pertaining to basically to urgency. So it's not, um, you know, not the whole costs of the whole thing. That has to wait for the review process if it were to happen. So it, it's, it's, it's a smaller uh, cost order um, than one might otherwise think. Still hurts. Um, still hurts enormously, but, but it is, it's, not, um, it's not the disaster that one might have thought. You personally, you're a lecturer at Rhodes. Has this caused any, any tension at all in terms of the day-to-day work that you do, or is everything amicable? Um, I was uh, the head of the Department of Philosophy for, for three years. My term of office came to an end on the 31st of December 2021. Um, and I had been, you know, to, with my colleagues in the philosophy department, had managed to be able to warn them that, look, this thing is probably going to come our way. Um, and it might well be that my capacity to teach, to be on campus, um, given that the university is going for face-to-face contact teaching this year, might be impacted. And so we will have to negotiate that when it happens. And my colleagues have been, in my opinion, hugely supportive and understanding. Do not agree with me um, about the stand I'm taking, but supportive and so on. So from that point of view, no conflict, it's all amicable and so on. However, it does have ramifications for my capacity to be on campus and to conduct face-to-face teaching. Um, We might have to shift things around. It might mean that some of my colleagues have to take on additional duties in the short term or maybe even in the long term. So, of course, there are there are frictions and and problems, and it does impact on them. But um, by and large, or indeed, I would say almost entirely, they are positive and supportive, and as good colleagues would do, are willing to take that knock on the chin. Reaction from students? Has there been any? I think that we've got a lot of student support. Um, you know, our our main sort of Facebook uh, group and or Facebook membership. And these are not official members of MAM, but they are. It's a sizable group of people, um, hugely supportive of us. Obviously, everybody is bitterly disappointed with the, the decision because it directly impacts on students right now. It means that there are students who cannot finish their degrees this year. That is the directing, and that was part of the basis for the urgency. Um, so yes, there is bitter disappointment for a good many students. Um, and of course, students nationally who have been watching this space as they gear up to, to fight their own universities and the exclusions that are happening on this ground, ground of vaccination. In terms of, let's call it a wish list going forward in the ideal world, how would this turn out? What are you hoping for and looking for? Well, my hope would be that we can begin to recognize the real science, which tells us that 99, mainly, in fact, 99.7% of people will readily survive COVID and that the pandemic is not nearly the dreaded beast that we had supposed it to be and that we had better get to live with it and deal with it in a way which does not um, disrupt our society completely. And that will mean being able to go onto campus, to lecture, 
we can respect the non-pharmaceutical um, protocols and interventions, and uh, things can go back to normal, respecting the freedoms, respecting the rights, and just getting back to normal life. That would be, you know, the, uh, that's the main objective. I would just, as a last question, want to ask you about uh, science. You mentioned that in your answer. And a lot of people like myself, man in the street, we don't have a scientific background or a medical or pharmaceutical background. You hear the science supports vaccinations. Then someone with an opposing view comes up and says the science doesn't support vaccinations. Is it a case of scientists worldwide just disagreeing and folk in either camp just cherry picking arguments or how else can it be looked at? Yeah, look, it's absolutely true that science supports vaccinations. Um, vaccinations are a wonderful thing. And when they are indicated, they should be taken. No doubt about that. Uh, there's nobody in MAM that I am aware of who is an anti-vaxxer. Everybody believes that vaccines are a good thing. But that has got... Um, how does that translate into forcing a vaccine on everybody or coercing everybody into taking a vaccine? The argument is that the vaccine is the only way to deal with this pandemic. And quite frankly, that is just scientifically untrue. The vaccines may be wonderful. And I think that for certain groups of people, they probably are, particularly those who are in the vulnerable or at-risk categories, the very elderly and the immunocompromised. And those are the people um, who have been, you know, where we see the highest death rate um, in the whole pandemic saga. So there is no sentiment here that uh, sort of anti-vaccine sentiment and we ought to respect the science. But I think that the science has moved on from those early months of 2020. And uh, we now see that we can cope with this disease quite well without uh, forcing a vaccine on everybody. And again, you know, you are right to suggest that it might well be that the scientific community um, you know, is divided about this. I think that there is a huge group of, um, of scientists. In fact, I think that the probably the most recognizable names in epidemiology in the world, like uh, Dr. J. Bhattacharya from, uh, from, from Stanford, is he? I can't remember. A whole variety of people. These are the people who put forward the so-called Great Barrington Declaration are utterly opposed to vaccine mandates, and they believe that we will achieve herd immunity by allowing the, the virus to just spread throughout the community, as it largely has done, but taking concerted efforts to protect the elderly and the immunocompromised and those at risk. That's where our efforts should be focused on, not in dragooning the entire world into taking a vaccine. So I think that is a scientifically more respectable option but we must accept that there are scientific differences of opinion about this. I think that on almost a daily basis, the case against vaccine mandates, the case in favour of alternate therapies and early treatments is gaining more and more scientific ground. We will leave it there. Thank you very much. Francis Williamson, he's from Makanda Against Mandates. Appreciate you joining us on the Daily Dispatch in discussion today. Have a good day. Thank you, Darren. That was the Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann.